Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I want to go over an issue. And, um, and I guess, uh, did that list make it back around? The, yeah, the yeah, sign-up list? Later. Okay, so um, if anybody else comes in, we'll, we'll make sure they get signed up. Uh, first of all, this is the official birthday of Tidal Potomac Fly Rider. This is a year old. So that's kind, of a, that's kind of a big thing because a year ago today, there was nine of us sitting around at the Orvis store the evening and just having an organizational meeting, which we've kind of gone about this, or I should say I've kind of gone about it in sort of a, a uh, under the radar way, sort of with the FFF, because um, the first thing, that's fine. Sorry, guys. If you uh, put all that on Okay, um, you know, the official way to build an FFF club really is to, is to get started, get, get uh, all of your paperwork turned in, name your officers, then tell everybody else that they have to join the FFF to participate. And I just didn't see going about that way because a lot of people were asking me, what's the FFF? I mean, you know, it hasn't had that strong of a presence in our region that I think that it could have or should have. And there's, there's a lot of reasons for it. And, and I want to I talk about kind of the overall philosophy of why the FFF really even kind of exists. And I think it's sort of gone through some, some turbulence as far as trying to define itself. But, but uh, I talk a good bit with the people up at the uh, headquarters now. And I think, that, I think that there's something of a mutual move or shift toward getting a good clear 
definition of what the FFF is trying to do. And what it really, really started out to be was sort of not a focused conservation effort, but an educational effort to educate people about fly fishing, introduce people to the sport of fly fishing, and, and in that way kind of uh, create more conservation-minded anglers. Because I think, I think most of us, the reason, I, the reason I, brought, I brought along my little, this is my first reel. This is Zebco 76, and oddly enough, this was made in the USA back then, too. Um, but I brought it because it sits on our little mantle at home, and it kind of reminds me of, like, this is where I started, and probably most people in here in this room probably started with something similar, or a little Shakespeare spin rod, or something like that. And so, so somehow all of us got from this to being crazy about fly fishing and and everybody kind of knows what what follows as you get into fly fishing and it just it can really start to consume you know all of your all of your thoughts or your fishing thoughts anyway or whatever to the point where even some of us yahoos end up trying to make a living at it but but the thing about it is is that it's always a bit of a disturbing thing for me that a lot of times though when we get in collective groups of fly fishermen a lot of the uh uh, bantering or complaining kind of breaks out about bait fishermen, uh, power bait. There's just, you know seeing all the litter on the side of the road, uh, side of the stream, and blaming spin fishers and all that other stuff. And you know, I mean, a lot of us switch up and fish a couple different ways. But I mean, but the reality is, we all sort of, like I said, we all kind of came came from that. And I mean, I if if I had a nickel for every catfish I caught by live line and bluegills to them, I mean, I you know I did a lot of that stuff. Um, so my thought here, and some of, some of the uh, Brad Gettner's here with the casting call, national casting call, and also um, I'm hoping that uh, Mary Lou from the Nations River Bass Tournament will come. And one of the things I want to move the group toward in the next year is partnering up with some of these other organizations um, so that we're not always advertising fly fishing to people that already fly fish. I mean, on one hand, we're going to try to put a tent down at the at the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival, which is going to happen. Uh, just so everybody, in case everybody is wondering, we are doing it. It's official. Um, so, the thing that I've always found disturbing, or the, the thing I've always seen about the federation, is that if I go to a fly fishing show, like I sort of I put it out in the letter, if I go to a fly fishing show, I've always got to find them in the back corner somewhere at a, at a fly fishing show because most of the time, the FFF. Or, or the whatever the group or the club is that's regional or the, even the council is going to get the free conservation booth that's free to a nonprofit, and those free booths are most of the time in the back corner. It's just I I, I really think highly of what the, what the, of the purpose and the idea of the FFF is to the point where I'm just kind of like, why don't I go to a fly fishing show and just see the FFF just represented? It transcends brands, it transcends uh, even styles of fishing. It's not just trout, it's not just warm water, it's not just salt water, it's all of it. It's all fly fishing. And I just, I, I, think, that, I think that where we stand here, this club and the focus of it and, and where, we're, where we're located is incredible. And the reason why is I'm from here, I was born in Fairfax, but not everybody was. And a lot of people are here from all different, all different areas. So you, if you build a fly fishing club somewhere out in Montana, it's probably going to center on trout. 
or if you build it somewhere on the coast somewhere, it's going to be a saltwater fly fishing club. But if you build a fly fishing club here, I mean, people are coming, people are moving here constantly on a daily basis from Florida, from California, from out west somewhere, from the Midwest. There's people bringing all sorts of different experiences and different types of fly fishing to the table. And so, so it puts us in a pretty unique opportunity uh, to, to, one, learn a lot from each other, but also to, to, I think, attract people into the idea and the sport of fly fishing. So as an, overall, as an overall focus, how's it going? As an overall focus in that way, it sort of mirrors what the FFF's purpose initially was, which is what, what I want to do. And once we talk about the um, casting call and the bass tournament, it's sort of like um, these aren't specifically just fly-centered events. I mean, casting call is a lot of fly fishing uh, backing and focus, but when the kids are fishing up in the Sienna Canal, they're fishing with spin gear and, and things like that. So, so um, I think you know the, the overall scope and idea is that is that the more people that we make fly fishing available to, that it looks something it's attractive. It's not uh, it's something people are willing to share. It's something that people are are, are willing to teach, and teaching is a big thing. Um, that it becomes not us and them anymore. It sort of becomes, uh, I, I, want, I want fly fishing to be attractive and accessible to people as they're out there fishing the river. I think in the long run, that's how you clean up monofilament on the bank. I think that's how you clean up power bait containers. I think it's how you clean up trash all over the place. I don't think everybody's going to take up fly fishing, but it doesn't help things it, let me rephrase that. It helps things temporarily to go around and have a river clean up and go pick stuff up and throw it away, but it all ends up back there again. So, so that's temporary. It also doesn't help things for everybody running around with a fly rod to bark at people that are spin fishing. Because I, I, I do, I do want to sort of hit on that just for, um, I mean, a, a little bit later. But anyhow, I think that as we get more opportunities to be at especially regional types of events and uh, and kind of try to reach out and give a little bit uh, I think for the overall sake of the, of the sport I think that that's how you benefit the fishery in my opinion so um, I don't have uh, Brad do you want to do you want to talk or do we want to wait on Kenneth or sure uh, no, I wouldn't wait for Kenneth he might be here online right so and, and he, he said he's coming so I expect he's coming but Brad, I'm going to I'm going to turn it over to Brad for about 10 minutes or so or uh, to kind of talk about the casting call for those that aren't familiar about it. It's a really, really big deal, a big event, and I have a sign-up sheet over here for anybody interested. Oh, in... excellent. I brought one, too. Okay, cool. So, um, well, my name's Brad Gettner, and I'm the volunteer coordinator for the casting call. Um, I also do um, economics consulting for recreational fishing, my line of work. So, I work in fishing, and uh, I also do a lot of, I'm an avid fly fisherman. I'm an avid everything fisherman. I do a little bit of everything, so... Um, I got involved with the casting call probably five or six years ago, just as a volunteer. Uh, three years ago, they made me their volunteer coordinator, and um, the event fit, it fits very, very uh, well with what Dan was just talking about, and that's regarding sort of uh, getting youngsters involved in fishing and fly fishing and outdoor education. Um, and I think um, there's a real strong tie to. Um, between avid anglers and, and conservation uh, and stewardship of the resource. And so the event is sponsored, its main sponsor is AFTA, American Fly Fishing um, Tackle Trade Association, and uh, it partners with 
just about every uh, manufacturer in the fly fishing industry, as well as the National Park Service, uh, National Marine Fishery Service, uh, a bunch of other smaller NGOs and uh, government organizations. And uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the event. Uh, we do two events. We have a Take a Kids Fishing Day and a Take a Congressman Fishing Day. Um, the Take a Congressman Fishing Day is a private event. Um, it's not open to the public. Uh, and the Take a Kids Fishing Day is open to the public. Um, in years past, we've done the Kids Fishing Day first and the Congressional Fishing Day second. Uh, we found we weren't getting enough congressional participation because of the placement on a Monday. Uh, congressmen typically are not here on Mondays. They pretty much come here Tuesday and Thursday. So this year we moved the congressional event to Thursday, Earth Day, April 22nd. Uh, we're looking for volunteers for both events. The Kids Day will follow that on Friday, uh, or rather Saturday the 24th. And Dan's going to help us out with a, a special little event we're doing uh, in the middle of that on the uh, 23rd. Um, and we have a group that's a, a partner in this event called Family Ties. And they take at-risk youth um, in the Philadelphia area and get them involved in fishing and fly fishing. And they come down and they're about, they bring about 20 of their kids and they help run outdoor education events and they also help kids fish on the canal. And what we're going to provide for them, they always come down here and they never have enough time to fish with us. They're always in and then right back out. And since we've spread these days apart, we've got this empty Friday. And this Friday, what we want is to get a lot of uh, you guys out there. Uh, we need, we're looking for 10 or so guys to row boats at Fletcher's and get these kids on fish. Um, conditions willing. So, uh, so we've got three sort of uh, recruiting goals here. Um, we need volunteers for the Thursday event. Uh, both as sort of just sort of general event volunteers and those folks willing to row a rowboat and fish for shad because in addition to the congressmen uh, we have all sorts of uh, heads of agencies and those sorts of things congress congressional staffers and, and those types of guys we like to get out on the water um, and we can always use anybody who can swing a fly rod and knows what they're doing fishing um, and then the Friday event, as I mentioned, is going to be a reward day for the Family Ties kids. Uh, we'll fish in the morning, probably till around lunchtime. And then the Friday event is Take the Kid Fishing Day. So what time is it Take the Kid Fishing? I mean, the Friday event, the 23rd, what time are you thinking to do it? We're going to start early in the morning, uh, probably 7 o'clock or so. Are they not going to rent boats so the folks that? Uh, we'll hold some boats for this um, What about private boats? Do you need that? Anything like that? Uh, do we need private boats? I mean, I can boat, I can get off a day and... Yeah, I mean, you're welcome to. I mean, that would, uh, yeah, that would certainly be welcome. Uh, I don't see any reason why we couldn't support that. In fact, I think that's a great idea. Um, so, you know, we, I can give you my contact directly or you can get a hold of me through Dan if you're interested in doing that. So, basically, the congressional day, we start at 7 o'clock in the morning, we end about 2 o'clock. If you volunteer for that, you get a free SIM shirt. There'll be a long sleeve SIM shirt with similar sort of logo embroidered on it. It may also have a, a sponsor's logo on the back or something. This is last year's shirt. It's a Reddington shirt. Uh, the year before that, it was a Sims polo. The year before that, it was a Patagonia long sleeve shirt. This year's going to be a Sims long sleeve shirt. Uh, you'll get breakfast and lunch uh, on Thursday. Um, again, on Saturday, uh, you'll get a shirt and breakfast and lunch as well. And the event on Saturday, the kids' event, runs from about 11 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, so if you volunteer for the Thursday event, we ask you to be there about 
half hour or so before the congressman starts showing up at 7. Uh, so it's an early day, but you'll be out at 2. Um, and then on the Saturday event, we're going to, depending on recruiting and how many people we get, uh, we'll have a, a small group of volunteers that shows up relatively early, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, will help us set up, help us putting together rods and stringing rods and tying on flies, um, getting the kids' gear together. We use spin fishing gear donated by uh, D.C. Department of the Environment. They keep a couple hundred spinning rigs for these such events, and, and they supply our gear for us. And then we'll have another crew of volunteers show up about 10.30. Um, and there's a sign-up sheet. There's also a sign-up on the web, um, which we can, we can put on your website as well. I allow you to pick which day. Uh, we encourage volunteers to come for both days if they can, or all three days if you want to, if you've got the time for it. But I know a lot of people don't. Everybody's got a busy schedule, and uh, we'll, take, we'll take whatever we can get. And uh, Dan's booth last year was a very popular booth, um, and he was a great addition to what we do down there. Um, and on the kids' day, it's a really neat situation. We'll have a, we'll have a, a tent with uh, lots of displays from various organizations. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service will bring a, a touch of something tank. Um, sometimes it's a sturgeon. Some, last year it was a snakehead. Um, it was almost dead. You can't kill this thing. It was in an ice chest on ice, and the thing was still breathing for hours and hours and hours. Um, there's also the National Park Service brings a junior ranger program. Um, so the kids can go through sort of an outdoor education program, learn a lot about conservation. The little badge that uh, they get, it's kind of like scavenger hunt. They go around to the booths and check off their stations. They get a junior ranger badge from the National Park Service. Um, Mary Lou's Living Classrooms, if she was here tonight, she'd tell you a little bit about what they do. They do some outdoor education stuff as well uh, in the public schools. So they'll be there uh, with a few of their booths and a few of their activities. And we have uh, fly casting instruction for the kids. We also have some fly tying demonstration for the kids, uh, let them play around a little bit. And then the fishing on the canal. We rope off about, or net off about 300 yards of the canal. We'll put about 2,000 uh, ready or sunfish in there, uh, catchable size ready or sunfish, and uh, let them go to town. So that's, that's the gist of the event. Uh, if anybody's got any questions, we'll be happy to field those. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun time. Uh, we have a great time out there. Um, You've always got the chance of, of bumping into a senator or a congressman if you volunteer on the Thursday uh, event. And you get to rub elbows with the board members of AFTA. So we're talking about the folks that run Sims and Reddington and uh, all, the, all the various different uh, tackle manufacturers. Um, so you guys have, how are you set up right now for Thursday? You have a lot of people who row boats on Thursday. Because last year on the Congress, the congressional day, I didn't end up even having to row a boat. Right. It, it, we're expecting, I think last year we had two congressmen. And I think last year, conditions were ideal for fishing, but not necessarily ideal for congressmen. It was kind of cool and, and wet uh, last year. It was on a Monday. We had gorgeous weather on for the kids' event, and we set records for the number of participants. We figured we had somewhere upwards of 600 kids out there, uh, which is, a, is probably our capacity for that event, if, you, if anybody knows Fletcher's. Uh, parking was interesting, to say the least. Uh, we have professional help with that. Uh, we get uh, this year it's going to be a park service officer who helps us with traffic on Canal Road and all those sorts of things. Uh, but Thursday, we typically, if if we have to make a big push for volunteers, I'm going to say it's the Saturday event because typically, if it's a congressman, we're going to put an AFTA board member with them, um, or myself, or you know someone else who who's involved with the government affairs um, sort of part of AFTA's dealings. 
but there's all kinds of other things that go on that day. And we've had years where congressional staffers and agency staff, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife staff, National Marine Fisheries staff, NOAA staff, Forest Service staff, all these folks come down and are looking for someone to fish with. And so we've had years where we've, we've been in need of guides, but it's not that often. Volunteers, we prefer 15, 16 ish. The reason I ask, um, I mean, the family uh, ties kids. I have a bass club that I okay, so these kids have their own shirts by the right. They might they might jump on this and you know, maybe half a dozen of them, but they're you know, they're 14 to 18, but they're if, if they're, they're very responsible, you know, know their way around the water and know how to tie on hooks Absolutely. and put worms on the hook and that sort of thing, they're more than welcome. Because our family ties kids, our family's ties kids are going to range from 12 or 13 okay. to 18, some a little older than high school age. Uh, so they, they fit in perfectly. And we'd we love to have youth participation. I think youth volunteerism is a great thing to push for. Yeah, and I'll, I'll guarantee anyone who, who participates on Friday a volunteer shirt as well. So even if you can't volunteer for Thursday or Saturday, we'll make sure you get a shirt. It's a little something we can do anyway. Perfect. On Friday? Approximately. It's, it's going to be sort of very flexible. We're going to get started early, uh, and it all depends on, on um, how, how long these kids can last you know some of them are real gung-ho about fishing some of them are there more to socialize so we have about 20 of the family ties kids we can get two per boat uh, and then someone who's a uh, who can row the boat and, and do a little guiding and help the kids out they're pretty accomplished in terms of fishing uh, and casting ability um, but they you know can always use pointers and, and sort of a little bit of mentoring and I, I figure we're gonna peter out about lunchtime uh, but if anybody's got the whole day I'll probably, I pretty much live at Fletcher's this month anyway, mm -hmm. so. <laughs> um, and, then, and then that day, is there lunch that day? Uh, not planned, but I'm gonna try to work something out. Okay. Hot dogs at Fletcher's. 
Yeah, there's hot dogs and Fletchers. Worst case scenario, I'll bring a cooler full of. We'll definitely catch up your beverages. Uh, worst case scenario, I'll bring some hot dogs and cook them down there for you guys. So. Okay, great. All right, so everybody can hang around a bit. Yeah. Okay, so anybody got any other questions for Brad? Make sure. Yeah, Brad, Brad. Right, right after. Yeah. After the meeting, and um, anyhow, it's a. Like Brad said, last year I got involved with this. Um, they were very gracious to us. We were, we were, uh, I think, 20 days old as a club or something like that. And there was probably 25 or 30 people in it because it was just started and we had just put the Google page together and it was really just getting going. And and uh, I think I ran into Brad at Fletcher's and and we started talking and I said, well, huh? I got one of those funny rods right here that we're gonna that we're gonna give away here shortly. So um, anyway, but that's it. And and, and uh, they they hooked us up with some booth space. We had a table there. We got to hand out a whole lot of information as far as as far as the club goes and as far as the FFF goes. But I'll tell you what, it's something just to be there and see that many kids running around at Fletcher's Boathouse with smiles on her face and they were all running around these little obstacle courses to go through and they had sheets to get stamps on and they would have to go tie a fly at one booth and they have to go and find the, the snake head or something and they, they have to go around and collect things like a little scavenger hunt. It's an incredible thing so this is the type of thing, This it's not costing us anything, it's not costing any money whatsoever for us to, to have our booth space there to have, you know, to participate but this is the kind of thing that it's like this is our this is our fishery and it's our it's our home waters and when something like this happens on it this is what this is the type of thing I want to jump on and uh, those of us that participated with it last year it was it was it was probably it, it was probably even more beneficial to us than it was to the people we were helping out it's one of those sorts of things it's what you learn through giving of your time and I think a lot of the guys in here tonight I mean uh, uh, that I that I know um, have volunteered a lot of time with a lot of other things and. And, and it sort of brings up an important point. Um, I think that one of the one of the major storms I've had to weather as I've tried to get this thing going, and as I've talked to people about it, and as um, as you try to introduce the idea of a club and the FFF and all that, the the most common thing that people ask of a of a nonprofit sort of a group is, what do my membership dues get me? And in this case, we don't have any dues. Now the FFF's rules are: if you're a charter club, they want the membership to be FFF members, and that's fine. And there's nobody, there's not going to be any TPFR police running around making sure of that. But when we do something like this and raffle something away, hey, you know, I mean, that's reason enough to go ahead and have your membership current. And I always say all the time: if you learn something from this club, if you benefit in any way, give the FFF 35 bucks. That's why this club is here. I mean, that's what it is. Um, the 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. But anyway, it brings up the question all the time is what do I get out of it, you know, or, or, or what do I get out of coming to show up to help out with a casting call? And in this case, I mean, that's easy. You get a SIM shirt. That's pretty cool. But, but the reality and the answer I like to tell everybody when they're, when they're asking what do they get for being in TPFR is I'm like, well, 
I guess you don't really get anything. I mean, I mean, yeah, you can participate on a message board, and yeah, you can learn a few tips and tricks and things like that. But you don't really get anything out of this sort of a club unless you start putting into it. And when you put into it, man, I mean, it's like you get a ton out of it. The people that you meet, the people you end up fishing with, uh, I mean, some of you guys might find yourself in the same boat halfway across the world because you find out, you, you know, somebody knows somebody and you end up on a fishing trip somewhere. And, uh, and so, so I, I try to have the mindset of, of rather than sort of what do, what do I get by being a member of the FFF, I try to remember or ask myself, like, what does everybody else get out of me being a member of the FFF? And, and it's been a... It's been a super exciting ride for me. I, I love it. I mean, I, I know all of you because of it. So, um, anyhow, I, that's just sort of the, the mindset that I like to try, to try to have. I do want to, um, I do want to, before we talk about the uh, uh, Virginia Festival, uh, I want to, I, I've got most of my uh, officers present. So, what I did this year uh, is I went ahead and I picked who's going to be officers for the next year. And I did that really because not everybody knows anybody at this point in the club. Obviously, this is only the second meeting, and you know this is an okay turnout. We'd always like to see some more, but I think I think in a year's time, as everybody knows everybody and who's contributing what and everything else, then we can have elections. But I went ahead and picked everybody, and if I didn't pick you, I'm sorry. Uh, there's nothing personal. Basically, we're trying to keep a bare minimum of officers at this point, but somewhere we can sort of distribute the. Would you know if you didn't pick an officer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I'm not calling anybody out. But there's a follow-up to this. Okay. So, so the officers, the officers that we have to have to run the club, to, to be official, to make a charter club, uh, our president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, and they want us to have a conservation officer. Uh, so um, if I'm going to continue being president for the year because... I mean, if anybody's opposed, vote me out right now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, for vice president, I got John Bellotto. And, and some of you know John's post so far. But um, John's a super active guy with the FFF, and that's the kind of thing. The FFF, if you guys saw the letter, how's it going? Come on in. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We'll work on it. Um, thank you no, for coming, though. <laughs> we're raising money for it now. No. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, if you guys saw the letter that I put out with the um, in relation to the Virginia Festival tent, the FFF in the Mid Atlantic is, like I said, it's kind of hurting. There's a few active clubs out there, and there's some really good ones, and we're one of them. Um, but other than that, in terms of any sort of real order and structure to it, there's not been a lot of a lot of action going on. So. So my interest in having John is that John's a, an FFF certified casting instructor. He's working on his master certification like I am. And what I've found as I've gone around dealing with the FFF, some of the most dedicated FFF members are casting instructors because we sort of have gained a lot from it. And, uh, and we've benefited from it. We have a vested interest in seeing a strong FFF because we think the instructor program is the best there is. And if anybody here has been helped out in any way by us about, you know, concerning your double haul or your cast or whatever. I mean, that's why, because we went through that, that sort of program. So John will be the VP for the next year, and um, I'm looking forward to it. He's got some pretty good visions for, uh, for the growth of this club, which is good. For uh, secretary, we got Dalton, Dalton Terrell. Everybody knows Dalton from his fantastically polished posts. Um, and it's not just on our site. Uh, 
Dalton pops up everywhere in cyberspace as a fly fishing world. Stripers online, spay pages. There's all these posts by Dalton, and there's all these people calling out for Dalton to, hey, Dalton, you mentioned something about grain weights and grain windows. What was that again? And things like that. It's really kind of funny when you start seeing people from your club popping up on all these other sites. So, uh, so Dalton is taking copious notes right now, and, um, and we're happy to have him. Uh, for the conservation, I picked Gain, and uh, Gain is Button, right? Um, the first email I ever got from Gain was about poultry waste, and and you guys remember, a lot of you remember, if you were in the club back then, that the thread that went around and the and the uh, for people to get signed on to the. Supporting the proposed regulations for poultry waste. Well, that was Gaines doing. He started it, so don't beat me up. But anyway, um, but generally speaking, if there's been a conservation thread that's gone on, Gaines jumped right on it. And um, and we all know Ernie, but Ernie's got about 50 clubs going, I think. So um, so we were really, really. Uh, I was very happy to to ask Gaines, and Gaines uh, going to sign on for our director of conservation, and we don't know exactly what shape that'll take, but. We're happy. We're glad to have you. So, and then for uh, for treasurer to keep the books. I mean, it's um, all these accounts right now are are tied to me, <laughs> and I don't want to run the treasury thing. But I've got um, everybody knows Melody, my wife, and she is home with the baby, and she's volunteered herself to take the to keep the books for the years. So, um, so as if she's not busy enough with all of this. And, and if there's anybody in this room that knows more about TPFR than me, it's her. Because you can imagine what our home is like. Okay. Um, for what it's worth, though, there won't be any purchases made or any money going out without all of the officer's approval. So as an accountability sense, I don't want people thinking that the Davalos are holding the purse strings. It just is what it is, and I think she can get the work done for us. And uh, it'll be a five-member vote for spending of anything. That is if we even collect anything, which hopefully we do. So so those are your, those are your officers for the for the next year. And um, I'll make a post about that or Dalton will actually. Uh, but the follow up is this. I'm not sure how big we want to make it and I want to have a, a meeting with my officers about it. But but the other part of the charter club is they, they encourage you to have a, a board. A board of directors, if you will, and uh, so I think that what we're going to do is sit around and discuss the size of that and the scope of it, because that gives us some more people to to uh, spread the workload out. And if you're interested in that at all, then email me. Uh, as far as you know, just just email me directly and say I'd be interested in a board thing or whatever. I already kind of know who I would tap for it because of. The site's pretty good about keeping records of how many people post how much stuff, and and so uh, so definitely more active members are, are are encouraged. But anyway, so there will be opportunity to serve in that in that way as well. But uh, I want to say thank you to the officers that uh, not only for stepping up to it, but for being here tonight. <laughs> Everybody made it, which is great. Um, and that leads back in. I sort of touched on it earlier, but I'll, I'll just follow up the charter club status. Some people have said, I can't find TTFR on PFFF, and that's true. You can't. We're not there. We're, we're, not, we're not a real club at this point, which is sort of funny because everybody in Montana knows us and everybody knows what we're doing, and we were published in the magazine. 
which if you didn't get a magazine, I have them over here. So if you haven't gotten one, the one that's, that's got us featured in it is there. Um, so by all accounts, we're a charter club, but the paperwork is going in. So with these, with these members, with the P.O. box we've got set up, with the bank account, with all this stuff, I turn in this, this roster sheet that we're picking up, and, and that paperwork's in. So, so we, should, uh, we should be showing up on the FFS radar very shortly. But I want to keep everybody in the loop about that. And I thank everybody here for joining the FFF also, uh, not just for a two-handed rod, but, um, but to help us develop our roster. So um, it doesn't look like I got uh, Mary Lou here for the Nations River Bass Tournament, so I'm just going to talk very briefly about that. Um, I was hoping that she could make it because she could tell you a whole lot more about it than me. But uh, what that is, and I, and I hope that I don't even know that I've got the dates written down. Brad, do you know the dates? I'll make a I'll make a post to the club about it. The Nation River Bass Tournament is um, coming up in May. Uh, I have I have sheets at the shop about uh, uh, concerning it as well. Um, it is similar in a similar vein to the casting call. It's an opportunity to uh, get kids interested in fishing, and it's a um, uh, it's not a fly event at all. But this sort of this sort of speaks to my idea about how we all sort of started with something like this. Um, I'm trying to pull together just a few volunteers for that one, and I have a clipboard up here for that if you're interested in it. Um, but what I want to do is I want to start, I, I want to go and expose these kids that are there to, to learn about bass fishing to fly fishing, and just have a kind of a few volunteers to help out, talk about it, teach a little bit of casting, and do some demos, and that's that. So so I'll post some details about that. I, I, uh, without, without Mary Lou here, I can't really go into as much more detail, but... We were tapped for it. They asked if we wanted to help out, and my initial response, or my initial thought, was kind of like, uh, "I'll see if we can do that," because it's kind of a it's kind of a bass tournament style thing. It's sort of not exactly a fly fishing type thing. But then that's what made me realize that that that's sort of where we all you know where we all come from, and uh, and it would be nice to have a representation. Hi, how are you? Hi. Um, let's see. Let me get. For everybody coming in, I want to get the sign-up sheet around. So, so if you haven't signed up, grab this, grab this link and get get on it. So in the meantime. talk about the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival and why that's important to us. Um, the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival obviously is a fly event and it's a really big one and this is it's gotten bigger over the years and this is going to be a really big one because it's the 10th annual one. The event has expanded, the, the footprint of the event is much larger, it takes up more space down there in Waynesboro. Has everybody been to a Virginia Fly Fishing Festival or has anybody been to a fly fishing festival? A few, okay. Um, it's basically the biggest outdoor fly fishing event in, in the region. And historically, the FFF has been there, but it's been a table not much bigger than this. And it's really kind of petered out. It hasn't really, uh, there, there hasn't been a lot of influence or a lot of, again, like I said, when I start a club and everybody says, what's the FFF? It kind of, the message isn't being made. So my thought, as I said earlier, um, I just feel like the FFF needs needs to be better represented at these fly fishing events because if we are, 
if we are going to advertise ourselves to fly fishermen and to fly fishing people, then we should do it in a bigger way than just kind of having a little, a little booth. And so what we've decided to do, and I've worked with Bo Beasley a lot on this over the last year. I mean, for months, really, we've been working on, on how to, how to fit us in down there. Um, the letter I put out of, about collecting the, the money for it, um, that's the bare minimum lowest possible amount of money to do a tent for down there, which is great. I mean, it costs money to do something. This is nice as a free room and everything, but it's like if you want to go have a tent and the liabilities of everything, have it all set up and broken down, it costs a little bit of money. And so uh, the purpose there is, to, is really to see how this goes, is to see uh, what kind of a interest in the FFF we can stir up by putting on a bigger production. And it's of such interest to the FFF National that is, you may have read in the post that the, the president of the FFF is coming to it from California, is where he lives, and their offices are in Montana. But he's gonna come out for the whole thing. He's staying down there in Waynesboro, he's gonna be at our booth. So these people, like I've said, are really thrilled about this club popping up like this and, and kind of coming up in, a, in an unconventional sort of a way. And so they want to they want to help us out in every way they can, and so they're going to be there. It's, and, and I want to make it I want to make it kind of a uh, as, as big as we can. Now the re the other flip side of that is maybe they come all this way, and there's four or five people in the booth. And if that happens, maybe that's what they need to see. I don't know. But my thought is we have an opportunity. We have a captive audience. We have a lot of people. Our booth is going to be right on the water. I mean, not booth. It's a tent be right on the water. I'll be down there, John will be down there, we'll be teaching casting. Anybody else that wants to come and help out, whether you put any money into it or not, I wanna have anybody down there that can be down there. I can get up to 10 passes for free for the event. So if you're gonna volunteer, let me know because if you're gonna come for the day, I'll get you in free. You don't have to pay to go sit at the booth. I got our tent right across from the wine tents, so if you like wine, it is literally not toward, not as far as the back of this room right here to walk over and get some free wine. Marriott? Is that right? All of a sudden, the hands go up. I can tell you have been playing this for a while. Yeah, yeah, well, I, well, I mean, to the extent that even on, even even with my regular work schedule and with the baby and all the other stuff, it's like, this stuff is really important to me, and so... Uh, I mean, on a, on a work day afternoon, I rode down with Bo to, to uh, Waynesboro to lay out You're our tent, basically. Alone, huh? You're not leaving that home alone, are you? Uh, we have family and friends, and oh. uh, so no, not alone. Um, but, but like I said, if, anybody, if anybody's been happy at all with the club whatsoever, you can thank Melody and not me, because there's no way, there's no way I could even attempt this sort of a thing without, without that sort of support. So. Um. Sounds like you need folks for the, the whole day. What are, what are the hours on that? So that's a good question. So the the festival, I, I believe that the gates open up at nine. I, I think I can double check on that. Um, actually, might even be on this flyer here. Uh, but what I'm doing is yeah, nine a.m. to five both days. That's Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, April seventeen, April eighteen. And anybody who wants to come to Little Virginia's birthday party, it's April 19th. So, so this is all. Uh, we were expecting her at the last festival, which is why we weren't down there. And, and uh, Bert, Graham, and his wife were down there with our little table. Um, but anyway, so yeah, April 17th, April 18th. You can do one day. You can do both days. 
if you want to get in on a free pass, you gotta you gotta do at least half of the day. You know, I mean, and and we're not gonna be enforcers in the sense that I want people to go out and walk around the festival too, and to and to be out there and 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 experience it. If you're gonna go all that way, um, there's also there's show rates available at the Residence Inn down there and a few other places too. So if anybody's going down there and staying the night or whatever, get a hold of me. I can I can get you the information for for uh, uh, show rates and stuff. It's going to be a big thing. It's as big as you want it to be, basically. I mean, I'm super excited about it. I want to go down there, and I'll, I'm basically going to go down there and work the whole time. But it's, I mean, I can tell you from doing this for a living, and it doesn't it doesn't seem like work. It's a whole lot of fun. What's up, John? Isn't there a dinner? There is a dinner. Thank you. So there is a dinner for the, that benefits the festival and uh, and the South River down there, and it's uh, the the festival dinner is on Saturday night, and it requires pre-registration so if you're gonna go and you're gonna be on the dinner then that's something that you can sign up on via the uh, Virginia Fly Fishing Festival website. What I'll go ahead and do is I'll make a specific post concerning volunteering and I'll give the link to the hotel and I'll give the link to the um, uh, how to fill out for the for the uh, banquet and you can you can go to the banquet or not it's at the country club and and like I said all the proceeds go to benefit the, the festival uh, but there's a if 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 you want to have dinner and eat with uh, like Lefty Cray, Bob Clouser, and all these guys, and 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 have um, this is when they'll do the festival awards and things like that. It's a pretty neat it's a pretty neat event to be at. So we'll be at that as well. Um, but that's up to that's up to anybody here. Uh, and there's potential. We'll see if, if people are committed and they're coming for you know for the couple of days. I can probably get you the vendor rate. Which is a half the price. So it's it's a fundraiser. So it's fifty bucks a plate, but a half that price is twenty five. So so whoever's serious about coming down and going to be at the tent two days, let me know because I'll get in touch with Bo and I'll say, let's get this guy a plate for half the price. That's what we're paying. Half the price. So anyhow, uh, that said, I have a box over here. If anybody has anything to drop in it, please do. I said it online. And I'll say it again. Don't feel obligated. Don't feel like you have to give to this sort of a thing. I don't want to charge dues in the club, and I, and I don't think we're going to. Uh, or I, I've, I'm saying we're not going to. Um, but I do want to be able to say, hey, here's an event. It's something that I think is important. It's something that, that can raise a profile of the FFF in the club. And that's sort of what this is also about, is it's not just TPFR. It's sort of we want to kind of raise up the profile of the FFF, and, and it can either go away and be and, – and, and, pass in the history or it can be, you know, we can strengthen it. I think we can strengthen it. So, um, let's see, where's the, uh, clipboard that one? Do you got a question? Yes. You have a checking account and you have no dues. So where do you, where do you get the money? Uh, from, from fundraising, it's events just like this where, uh, I put out, did you, I mean, you get the posts, right? Or the, uh, emails. And so when I put out to the group and said, this is the amount of money we're trying to raise. This is, you know, if you can get ten bucks, give it. If you can get twenty, give it. That's that's been it so far. So, uh, so I think I think in I just wanted to kick around some ideas on that at some point. That'd be great. And and uh, uh, I'm actually very shortly we'll actually get filled with be an open forum and everybody can kind of chime in on that. Um, the thing about dues is. I, I kind of I'm of a mindset that 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 free is good in a 
sense that uh, if, I mean, yes, you can charge dues, but it's a lot of times it can cause people to not pay them or go ahead and not sign up for the club or whatever. And, and my idea is that we get people in on it, people discover a fishery they didn't know about, discover, learn a lot about how to fish it, you know, participate in the free clinics and things we do, and actually get get active in this sort of a club, and then people are willing to to contribute. And maybe a core group of us are willing to contribute, and a few hundred other people that read the emails aren't, and that's fine. It is what it is. But the thing is, I've, I'm in other clubs and in other clubs, and not just fishing clubs. The collection of dues is a it's a tedious. Thing and you, you know some people pay them and some people don't. You're always tracking them down and it's kind of hard to keep up with. So, so yeah, but we can definitely talk about ideas. Did you have a question? Well, yeah, I was going to say that um, you mentioned this before. The last meeting you said that by <coughs> raising awareness of the, the FFF and um, by supporting events like the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival and the FFF and becoming a dues-paying member of that club relates to our club. And Right, right. So as it is right now, the, the if I understand the the gist of that, the FFF in general, I don't I don't think that I don't think that they've got a whole lot in their in their in their coffers like to and, and part of the reason is because like I said, that they've spent a lot of their focus, time and efforts advertising themselves just to fly fishing people. And and so in a sense, that's some of what we're doing at the Black Fishing Festival, but all of the, but these other events are, I think, going to overall make people that don't even fly fish understand that, you know, that, that fly fishing is not something that's so esoteric after all, and then also that maybe, uh, I, I think that, I think we sort of are at a pivotal moment with the FFF itself, and, and I, I think that where we are with this club is, a, is an opportunity to kind of tip the scale the other way. So I think in the long run, I think that the the idea and the way that the FFF literature reads is just kind of like if the more active that that club is and the more members that there are, the more uh, ability we have to kind of ask for assistance from them. But I don't see that happening anytime in the near future. I think that I think that when an event comes up, we can either raise money for it or not. I, I'm not sure whether I kind of. I'll put it. I'll just put it out there to everybody here in the room, anyway. Um, there are a lot of people that are FFF members that are really, really active FFF people. People in the in the fly fishing industry as well. So, one of those one of those members, and I'll I'll make sure and give him credit when the time comes, but uh, has already committed to matching up whatever we come up with for the festival tent, which is why I already I can stand here right now and I can say. I put the paperwork in, we're getting the tent, regardless. What I don't want to do is hit that guy up for too much money. Because I wanna I wanna prove that you know a club like ours can come up with not that much money. It's not not really a big amount. Maybe we can make what's that? Two dollars a person you said Well that would be if everybody did it, yeah. So I said if the active people did ten bucks or you know or something like that, that would be even better. But whatever. Anyway, I don't want to harp on the on the money or or, or uh, 
pass around to play. It is what it is. The box is over here. You can drop something in it. I put the instructions online. If you want to send a check, you can send it to the PO box. But we are doing this tent. So if you can't give any money or whatever, but you want to come to the tent and participate, tie flies, teach casting. Um, and then the other thing that I, that I highlighted on the email about it was we have, um, we'll, we'll be helping out with the uh, uh, kids catch and release trout pool, which is going to be right next to our tent, which is going to draw a lot of attention even in the form that apparently the governor is supposed to come to it as well as a publicity thing, I guess. So we're going to have a lot of traffic right around our tent, and we're actually going to be helping these kids with this catch and release trout pool catch brook trout and take them down and stock them in the South River and understand and learn something a little bit about fisheries conservation and about restoration of native fishes and things like that. So, so th these are the kind of opportunities that, that going and participating give us, yes? Uh, I'm going to make fundraising with the uh, fly fishing show down there because you have an opportunity with a lot of people there to raise money while you're there. Yeah, good and point. So, but my point would be if everybody here that ties flies gives you two flies and do a, a 30 or 40 fly collection and you sell tickets and the tickets, I'll provide you the tickets if you want. And then just put a name and phone number. Um, the winner gets picked, you call them up, find an address, I'll mail it for you. Right. So the point I'm saying is that you could probably raise a couple hundred bucks minimum. Yeah, I think without you're, spending a dime. I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think it's a fantastic exactly. idea. There's guys here or you, well, you don't want to do lessons because they're too far away. But the, the flies, you know, people always are buying a three dollar ticket or five dollar ticket for a mess of flies, a two thousand three. Right. Right. Yeah. Fantastic idea. And I think that I think that some of us can also can. can uh, uh, and I'll work on what I can get through Orvis and things like that. But I mean, there can we can do. We're, we're eligible and able to do raffles down there, so we can do that. Sort I, of I, mean, I would do it, and I said, I, you know, once you have a winner, just give me an address, I'll mail them, you know. Yeah, it's a fantastic I idea. Somebody's done it already. I think, that, I, I, I think that that and other opportunities, even at having the exposure we have. That's the easy deal. If everybody gives you two flies, and 10 people give you two flies, yeah. you know, 12 people, you get a couple dozen flies. That's, that's enough for somebody to, to want to win that. Perfect, great, absolutely. So uh, it's a good point, and 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 uh, I think the intention too is to, in whatever way we can, to solicit funds while we're down there as well. Um, so, anyhow, um, if there's, we we kind of go around and do uh, uh, questions in just a minute. So we covered the Virginia Festival and the casting call and the Virginia Festival. Um, Well, let's give a rod away, huh? How about that? And then we can open it up to the uh, to the floor because I think whoever's here is going to be here. So, let me make sure there are everybody that got in here. I can make up the tickets here, and then we'll do a drawing. Uh, they're right over here, and I'll get them in just a sec. Perfect. Thank you.
Uh huh. that we can raffle off to. So, thank you, Ernie. Todd Kim. Oh, here, photo op, Todd. <laughs> I do have I do have a few plans and uh, and and I'm going to talk with John about it too. But I have a few plans to do a couple of um, a couple of spay slash shad demos or clinics, which we'll do down at Fletcher's when the water comes down. I, I'm kind of trying to keep an eye on as much as you can, uh, not scheduling it too far in advance so that gets blown out. But but there's a few there's a few specifics that I think that. Those of you that have been fishing shad a long time know already, but those that don't maybe have a hard time getting their sinking lines back up out of the water, and those that are new to the two-handed game or spay casting in general, uh, we can we can help you figure some of that out. And that'll be that'll be announced as soon as we uh, coordinate that. Yes. Do you know what days you're thinking about? Uh, well, they would they would take place on the weekends because okay. that's you know a, a Saturday or a Sunday, and you probably usually earlier in the morning. The reason being that Fletcher's fills up pretty quickly. Yes. Next, uh, let's see, not this Saturday, next Saturday, CCA is having a similar event down there too. Okay. Right, right, right. No, good, good to know. And I will, I'll check with Dan at Fletcher's anyway, because I usually, I'll, when we've done clinics in the past, I just give him a heads up and he lets me know if anything's going on down there. And, um, you know, it'll probably be something of an organized thing for an hour or so, and then it's going to be fishing. But uh, but there's a but I think there's a few specifics that, that make or break you when you're shad fishing and and uh, you know want to make sure everybody's not getting one or two fish but but getting into them as thick as they can. So all right, so at this point, um, I mean, thank you guys for bearing with me because this is not your typical fishing meeting where there's a super entertaining speakers and I mean I do my best, but it's mostly club business and and uh, I I think that when we get together with the officers and whatever board we appoint, we can kind of figure out the future tone of meetings and whatnot. 
but this is a, exactly you know this is the one year anniversary of the club and and it's it's sort of uh, important to to kind of see where it came from and where we're at at this point and and there's some pretty big pretty big plans ahead and and one of them and we can open it up for discussion but one of them that I really really feel uh, strongly about is with the interest in two-handed casting and two-handed rods in this river specifically anybody that's interested at all in two-handed rods knows about there are regional spay claims where basically you get your manufa the manufacturers to come down and represent and teach lessons and they can get they get a lot of the uh, whoever the who's who are in two-handed casting and I've met a lot of these guys actually through the shows and whatnot and through the FFS so I've gotten some commitments from some of the manufacturers and some of the uh, some of the better known spay casters to come and do a clave here in DC if we get one together. I think I want to aim for that a year from now. You know, 2011, sometime in the spring, we got to coordinate with casting call and everything else so that it's not back to back to back to back things because that's sort of how April stacks up. Um, but I got a lot of interest in it, and I think we could do that, and it would be a it would be a pretty a pretty big under undertaking, but I think we can host it. Um, so that's a long term that's a long term plan, and another one that uh, that John and I specifically are talking about, and and I think you're going to see it take shape over time, is to generate enough interest in uh, through this club having a having a, a casting emphasis. Whereas if you go out if you go out west, if you go out to San Francisco, everybody knows about the Golden Gate Casting Club. That's a big thing. It's been there for a long time. Now I'm not saying that we'll have a facility like that sort of a thing, but I think that I think that the overall opportunities of uh, teaching and learning and sharing fly fishing with a with a club type environment like that is is uh, is big enough to consider. So so we'll be working on that as well. So at this point, it's open forum. Everybody's got questions, complaints, issues, whatever. If you hate me, tell me. If you don't, thank you. I'm glad. But um, but anyway. Uh, ideas, anything, everything. Hey, to get your newsletter, uh, how, how do you do it? Do you have two emails? So do you have a place where we can give you that email so we can get your newsletter? So are we talking about just the posts right now or yeah. an official newsletter? Right. What's up, guys? Dan? Whichever. Um, so that, you know, we get updates from you and things like that. I've gone to your website or, you know, So are you not getting the emails now? Like, you don't get 50 emails a day from Tidal Potomac Fly Riders? Unfortunately, I got more from my clients, right? I narrowed it down to one. What's that? I narrowed it down. Did you have one a day with everything? Okay, so if you're, if for some reason, if you're if you're logged on to the club but you're not getting emails, then then um, let me... What I'll do is when I get home, I'll check, because this is just myself and, and, and Bert that moderate it and so which is why you guys haven't gotten 500 spams because believe me they come in at amazing rates to this club and so we've got to block all that stuff manually um oh my gosh if everybody if anybody in this club is interested in getting nike air jordans for like 20 dollars i'll let it through but for the most part, I think that it's I think that yeah, qualifies as. Well, it's, some of them are pretty tricky too. Like I, I got I got one about a, a we were just talking about safety, and I got one from somewhere in the Midwest about a 
like Google Safety Buddy System or something. I don't know what it was. It was a. I ended up emailing the guy a couple of times, asking him a few questions about Potomac-related things, and find out that he's out in the Midwest somewhere, and just saw our club is open for posting. So some of them are kind of, kind of interesting. But believe me, we're saving you from a lot of junk. Um, but I'll check on it when I get home. I'll check that, the status of it, and I'll email you directly. Um, to, to find out why you're not. And, and then we just need to decide if you want to get 15 emails a day, because if you do, hey, that's most of us. But if not, you can get one a day with everything in it or whatever. The news, if we're, if we're using the word newsletter, the newsletter is something we're going to work on. So, that, so that's one of the things that Dalton's tasked with now and that we're going to, that we're going to set up to where we can deliver, you know, probably, we'll see how it starts out, but probably a, a monthly type of a newsletter that that might contain some of the stuff that we're otherwise just putting out in posts, but, but specific upcoming things and, and uh, calendar of events and any types of future meetings. And, uh, but that's something that is, uh, you know, I'm happy to have the officers I do and, and whoever we decide to involve as far as a board goes to decide sort of, like I said, the scope and the shape of the meetings and the frequency and whatnot. Because, uh, I mean, it, and people can raise their hands if they want to. I, I'm kind of curious to everybody in the room what they think. Is anybody interested in doing meetings every month? They won't all be this boring. But, good, me neither. Um, and that's sort of been the, that's kind of been the tone from the get-go, yeah. Quarterly, you might be, you know, an idea. Yearly, I think, is just a long time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, well, so far we're tracking with biannual right now. <laughs> but maybe quarterly, you know. I think, I think you're right. You can do business and speaker. Right. If you got, if you got a speaker, it's easier. It's hard to book a speaker. It is. You've got something to be in the area. Could we, could we make it to the various uh, fishing seasons? I mean, mm -hmm. like a spring pre shadow meeting and a summer, yeah. you know, uh, you know, large mouth, small mouth meeting. So, so we sort of have like a, I, mean, I don't see any reason to, to have a meeting in the dead of winter. Right. I'm not doing any. <laughs> Todd fishes in the winter. Yeah, yeah, we went out fishing. Like the time. Same, yeah. What else are you doing? You, you know, yeah, you then, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great idea, Miles. I think that's a great idea. And 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 quarterly is sort of what I what I thought of initially, and and, and like I said, we'll get together and kind of hash hash that out. But I think that's a great idea, and I think that that one of you know one annual meeting, which would be one of if it, if it turns out to be quarterly or whatever. Is when we can do elections, and that can be, yeah. you know. Uh, so that's no, that's great, and I think that I think that that makes a lot of sense, and it should be easier to to kind of net the speakers that way when we're looking for more specifics. What else, Justin? Since this is now the, the pre chevron meeting, can we, can we talk about fishing for shad? Sure. Maybe. So. Okay. Cool. We. Have any <laughs> shad I've never fished for shad before, so. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. We we can. Let's let's go around. And keep getting uh, questions, Jeff. Um, Jeff Cook. Most of my posts start with, "I'm a real newbie at this." And, <laughs> um, and uh, Dan has recently just set me up with quite a good uh, quite a good operation. I, I, I fished a little bit in, like ten or fifteen years ago. I'm just getting back into it. Now I have the embarrassment to say I bought three fly reels before I. Anyway, um, Good job, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. 
But you're ready. I'm uh, ready. And I'm the guy going to St. Thomas in two weeks. Ooh. Um, uh, there's um, uh, two things that I uh, am uh, able to step up and help out with. Uh, I'm under as much schedule pressure as anybody, but some things that I can do on my own. Um, I've uh, run a couple of groups like this before, and one thing that was really helpful was um, to have like a photo album page on a website where you can have little, you know, little thumbnail pictures of people. You can click on them and have email on there. Purely voluntary. Some people like really don't want to have their email or their pictures splattered around. But uh, I can go ahead and start that up and put it on one of my own websites until the club gets that geared up, and then we can shift it over. So I'll announce that on the on the list, um, and then just start asking for people to email their photo to me and what email address they want to have, and just make up a big list so that you can start recognizing people if you want to participate in that. So that's easy to do. Um, the other thing, um, if I stretch it out long enough, I think I can do it. Um, I worked in video production, I have for 30 years, and um, Dan and I were talking about some sort of promotional film for this group. Um, and uh, I think uh, I'm thinking of a plan now where maybe a five minute promotional thing um, to introduce the group to people who aren't in the group and to get out into people who aren't fly fishing and, and that sort of thing as well as sort of whip up Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Jeff did, I sort of, I got kind of excited because I, I, I think a, a very original post, one of the first posts I ever made on the Tidal Potomac thing was that I, that I had the vision to put together like a short teaser video. And at that point I was asking people to take some video of themselves while they're fishing or when you're fishing with other people or whatever. And it, it hadn't really, uh, as, as grandiose visions as I have with it, I, if everybody sent me a bunch of videos I wouldn't know anything to do with them anyway. 
so the fact that Jeff has picked this up and is running with it is a huge deal. It's awesome, and I think that I think that also Jeff mentioned that he was checking on the um, uh, domain names available, and it looks like we're probably going to be able to net tpfr.org. So we're going to try and go ahead and reserve that to build an actual website, and that's a plan for the coming year to build a, to get a, a website put together that's more than a Google page. Hopefully by now, and there's enough people that are interested in this that, that it's not probably not necessary for everything to hit everybody's inbox all the time. Uh, I think it actually we, it started out as being like that was the easiest, cheapest, free way to go and set it up, and it was great because it, over the course of the year, if you look at the posts that are made, I mean, the number of posts now are way, way, way up from what, you know, from they continue to grow every month. Well, it's been part of the model, I guess, or it became part of the model that since it's hitting everybody's inbox, it sort of stimulates the pot. You know, I mean, you're, you're at work and you get an email about fly fishing and you answer it and it's great. So, so that's been wonderful. But I think in the long term, I don't think we can stick with the Google format just because it's limiting. So uh, the idea that what I'd love to do with this, and again, we're talking long term, this is great. It's probably a year in production would, would be. But to have this type of video just right there at the homepage, when people find Tidal Potomac Fly Riders, it's just it's Tidal Potomac Fly Riders. You can play a video and you can see it. My question is this. Uh, you probably work with more professional equipment than we do. Is this something you can do with... Uh, uh, you know, Melody gets a video of something while I'm fishing, or somebody gets a video with. It. What level of quality do you need to work with? It. Um, I think the best thing is uh, I'm, I'm as a side business. I'm generating a bunch of podcast niche topic uh, series on, on bicycling, on aviation, that kind of stuff, and that's done with the same quality of gear and the same sort of you know no budget, limited time kind of kind of operation. So what I'll do on the list is I'll post a link to that so you can get a look at it. And although, although uh, you know, all the stuff you just catch by accident, maybe with a video camera or even your cell phone or a still camera that's got a video thing on it, um, you know, that stuff is wonderful. And I hate to say no thanks, but this particular show is going to be something that you would easily hand a DVD to, you know, to... to you have a camera. Yes, and actually, I've got I've got cameras this big that shoot HD, and that's what I'll be using. And I've got an underwater housing even. So you're going to be going fishing with us. So we want to coordinate some of this, right? No, no, really. Go to a boat or a kayak or whatever. You're going to be shooting stuff. That's absolutely us shooting stuff. Yeah, and it's kind of a you know as I learn more about this, it's kind of an ideal opportunity for that reason too, because I'm going to be noticing what kind of things that we're trying to get other people to notice. So it, it works well. So Follow Todd work. Kim everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Can you use Still images? Absolutely. And I am already playing the top. I have hundreds of images. That will be absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so when, you, when you see this sample that I'll put up, it's called offorbit.tv. It's a website, offorbit.tv. But you'll see that, you know, it's, it's, it's not super high end, but it's not sort of, you know, uh, home movie YouTube stuff either. In the middle somewhere, cool. And so, uh, but if it, you know, if you shoot something that's that's small, um, you know, with a little, little pocket camera or something like that, you know, if it's steady, if you can see what it is, I mean, send it in, you know, because who knows what we can use, and, and maybe we'll just do a little fun, you know, shopping thing 
seen as part of it. It's going to evolve, and it's it's good that you know I intentionally want to let it evolve over the whole fishing season. So I'll talk more about it. Now. Awesome, Brad. Do you guys remember getting filmed last year at the casting call? I remember there was video going around, but I don't. We're going through that footage right now. I'll see if you guys pop up and Okay, and uh, for what it's worth. Yeah, and if Jeff, if you're going to be around for those events, I can't. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, Todd, come take pictures. If anybody's fished with Todd before, Todd will show up with a box of flies about the size of Rob's little eye touch thing here, and a and a wagon full of camera gear. And we fished a gravelly one. We fished a gravelly one night, and this guy brought on a tripod, an umbrella, flash diffuser. <laughs> so, so if you're not getting Todd Kim results with your point and shoot, <laughs> don't worry. The guy's a photographer. So it's, 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 been, it's been really fun to, to meet up with Todd somewhere with those camera gear. So uh, anyhow. Also, all right. also, let me say, you know, this one five-minute thing is only one little thing. You know, when this group really gets going, I mean, I would think that the hope would be that people would be uploading videos constantly. So, well, just a flood of stuff comes up. I don't know whether anybody's familiar with this website. I think it's, they're called the Ohio Fly Fisher. Hmm. Anyways, I'm not. they've got all sorts of, you know, product reviews with local fly tying videos and things like that. I mean, with the, with the variety of species that we have in this area, and, and it's pretty rich. Um, types of flies that we could be tying that are unique and, and, and local would be very interesting to start, you know, putting a video collection of that stuff together. Yeah, everybody can do video, so, so do, yeah. Definitely. That's a, that's a TU chapter. I was going to ask Dalton if he posts on that. No. <laughs> they, just, they, uh, they have like a monthly tying video. They do trout sell the bass though. Yeah, cool. We'll check it just, out. Just a great website with you know people ought to just jump onto it and see what kind of information is there. Not only is it valuable because they do product reviews and everything, tying devices, things like that. <coughs> but these guys are very knowledgeable. You know, they have a, a rich website there, so it's something that we could start to look to to take some ideas from. Cool. Awesome. What else, guys? Yeah, back Ernie. Fundraising. Okay. I'm, I'm real aware of the fact that it, I, I um, belong to several clubs, and fundraising within the club is hard because you're hitting people up, and you said that already. Right. So what you want to do is use other people's money. Right. And so you use your talents to use other people's talent, uh, money. So you and John and others, you know, fly casting lessons, you can auction off. Sure. There are, but there are folks out there, me included, that will go to a TU show, a Thai Fest, and things like that, and buy up tickets. And, and I, I do pretty well winning this and that, you know, that, that float, and I want somewhere. And yeah. I, I don't use it, so. Right. Now, now Todd's, Todd's got it. But uh, the is, point is, well, I won't say this. The point is that we, uh, you know, as we set up tables at different shows, whether it's Thai Fest, make sure that we do have uh, something to give away. Right. Uh, something to wrap with that's of significance. And it doesn't have to be labor intensive, but again, if you, you know, I don't know how many people time, but guarantee if you got two, like I said earlier, two or three flies from everybody, you can put together a really nice collection. And it's the race 
two, three, four, five hundred dollars, whatever it is you make. But again, you want to use other people's money. It's okay to, I mean, I, I have no problem giving a few dollars here and there. Mm -hmm. But no, you're absolutely right. do that. Right. Some people can do, you know, some people can match you and some people can't. Right. But as we're at events, other people that we have no clue who they are will, will give you money for something. Right. And for a chance to something. That's a great point. And, and, and some of that is also the reason to step outside of fly fishing in general. Absolutely. And because, I, because like I said, I think the reason the FFF has, has uh, lost a lot of steam over the years to the point where even this magazine used to be four printings a year, it's two printings a year. I mean, some of these things that we see, John and I as casting instructors, we almost pay double now for our casting instructor certification because I, I guess they're just not generating money, right? right? And so so that's a lesson to be learned in that is that you're you're absolutely right. I don't want to be hitting up the membership all the time for a few bucks here or a few bucks there. One of the reasons why the success of this of this club so far has been uh, or, or something I think that we can we can use is when we go to a more proper website format and we've got 300 some registered users and how many hits a day and everything else, well, in this day and age, that's how you sell sponsorship. Yep. And we sell site sponsorship, and I've got some connections with Orvis, and this is kind of fun because I have my feet in both camps and sort of FFF, and I work for them also, so it's kind of like I plan to do what I can do to get, you know, to, if, if we want to get a, a link on there, pay, yeah. pay for it. You, know? you could buy inventory and have, you know, they get raffles. You might, you know, buy a couple fly rods and then raffle them off. Again, you'll... you'll your ROI will be huge. Yeah. And they continue to, to build the gap. But the, the worst thing you want to do is continue to hit the membership. Right. No, you're right. Especially those who can't, you know, they're, uh, and, and, um, uh, and they'll feel bad if they don't, you know, you don't want that. I mean, you said it, you said it like five times. I, I, I know that I can't afford yeah, to give too much money to but myself. The million but people out there that we don't know that are willing to. Big time. I think you're totally. I think you're totally right. Uh, and I think that I'll get just a sec. I think and and the sponsorship money, especially now, still necessarily within within fishing, but within the the, the companies themselves. If they see uh, a club that is a potential source of revenue for them, because you know they can advertise your rod series. One of the reasons why I've tried to stay very tightly clamped on commercial things, on commercial links, why. You know, I'm not going to tell you when a, when, a, when a rod's on sale at Orvis or why Richie at Urban has been very, very uh, uh, agreeable with, I mean, and, and he's been excellent with this as well because we've talked about it a good bit. I've said, if you've got a speaker coming or something, throw it out there to people. But we don't want to, neither one of us are in the interest of trying to advertise on the site because in the long run, it's... That's something that you can that you can sell, right? I mean, so now if you guys find some mega deal and flies are uh, five bucks for five hundred or something online, which that sort of thing's going on. If, if you find that sort of a thing and put it out there, that's all up to you guys. That's but but let's keep it somewhat to a minimum with a lot of the bigger name places, like if there's a link or whatever, because I think in the long run we can hit some of these large corporations and companies up for. I mean, even ones that have nothing to do with fishing, but when they see that there's all this traffic in their area. And, and so, I think that's it. Hang on a sec. You had a yeah, question? I used to live in central Connecticut, and the Farmington River, uh, I, you know, their local trout club yeah. publishes a chintzy little book that gives 
pool-by-pool pool, uh, information on, you know, what the, what the fish and what time of year approaches, trails, bounds, and stuff like that, where to park. Uh -huh. And they put it in a, you know, a very cheap, it's not even a bound book, but they distribute it to all the local libraries, and they also sell advertising in the back, like, a, you know, you see in a yearbook or something like mm -hmm. that. And I was thinking, obviously that's work somebody's got to do, but that's already kind of happening on the forums. Right. And if there was maybe a little bit more organization where people contribute directly to a sort of a more formalized, you know, this is how you fish gravel point, when to do it, how to do it, um, it might spare you having to explain. <laughs> well, or, or and, and then, and then the, the big thing is that, you know, then you have that out in local libraries, they also sell it at all the local shops for something like $15 at what I imagine is a, you know, is, is basically a donation to the club. Right, right. That's a good idea. And also, uh, if some other people's names are on that, maybe I won't get as many death threats about burning people's favorite places to fish. Um, well, Steve, Steve Bohr just wrote a book, and he's basically given up every spot that everybody already knew about. Right, right, right. You know, I mean, it's it's, it's amazing. I, I laugh at that because it's like, yeah, I've got to see this I know, I know. I've got a thousand fish in the last 25 years. Exactly. So, and and that's the other thing, and that, that brings up an important point right there that I want to hit on is is, on one hand, what's the secret spot on the tidal Potomac River, in the nation's capital? With take Gravity Point for an example. There's a parking lot and a boat ramp there, and if you go on the the, the the DC website and look for places to fish from shore, Gravely is one of the places it says. On the flip side of that, a lot of us now go there that didn't go there before. There are people that have been going there for 30 years. I, I do want to reiterate to the to the group here, and and I probably will start a a, a thread on ethics or something, um, just because it's been brought to my attention by some non-fly anglers that, um, again, there's such a culture of a, of, a, of a us versus them sort of a thing, and I don't want to see that take place because I've, I've had a few people talk, tell me that, oh, well, they're, they're, they're sitting there gravely waiting for a tide to turn, and then a bunch of fly fishermen go waiting right in front of them and fish and don't even acknowledge that they're there or whatever. Now, there's many sides to a story, but but... You know, I mean, if, if we're down on the water and you see somebody fishing and they're fishing in a spot that you want to fish, it's not the end of the world if you wait, if you have to wait them out or if you have to, you know, I mean, and I don't mean just stand there and stare at them or whatever. I mean, like, if, if you don't get to cast the line there, then, then move down, move up, go somewhere else. But, but we do want to be conscious about not increasing the divide between gear and bait anglers and fly anglers because again like I said we've all probably everybody here has done both I think, there's, I think there's like a finite number of fly fishermen and if everybody's you know there's, so there's no point in keeping anything secret if the more information there is about other places gravelly points or the tidal basin can't possibly be the only place to catch a striped bass exactly and so that just does a better job of distributing people right and I think, you're, I think you're right. I think that part of the reason between to, to, to use those as examples is, and I've posted about it a number of times, take what you understand about that and go apply it everywhere you see an inlet, an outlet, a, a, a tidal creek. Uh, you know, a, look at your depth charts and look at, where, look at where there's shallow, shallow, and a deep trough. That's going to accelerate current. So, I mean, no, I think you're right, and I think that it is. Um, 
it is definitely something to keep in mind. There aren't just 10 places of fish out here. Miles, what were you going to say? I was going to say, uh, I guess this is sort of related. Um, uh, I think one thing that we could do in terms of, uh, uh, that would be a benefit, um, well, me in particular, but I think a lot of us, is, is uh, develop some sort of convention around, um, uh, you know, having like a, a fishing day where, where a bunch of us, you know, go out together and fish. I mean, the, even though I didn't catch anything the day that Todd showed us, you know, how to fish in the park before my run, uh, it was definitely instructive yeah. in terms of now I know not to go out before my run. Yeah. I think it's an awesome idea, and I think uh, one of the things I get asked all the time at the shop, because my job puts me in contact with people that fly fish all the right. time, of course, is uh, you know if I'm handing them the sheet on the title Potomac Fly Riders and telling them about it, they go, oh, uh, well, when do you guys go out, you know, or 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 uh, do you guys get together in a group and and go fish or whatever? And I think that's an excellent idea, and I think that that's something to something to consider. And for what it's worth. All it really takes to get that ball rolling is if you're going to go fishing tomorrow and you're planning on going to Gravely at whatever, or you're going to plan on going to Fletcher's, post. Right. You know, and I'll try and do the same. And and uh, if if we know we've got a heads up, then let's let's start meeting together like that. Yeah. There's a, another group I'm in uh, that has a monthly day that they plan for that, so they can promote it and that sort of thing. And anybody who can show up to help people will, and anybody who wants to show up to get help will. Is it a fishing thing? Is it a fishing? No, it's an astronomy group. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say Steve does the same thing. They do, yeah. The cool thing about it that would sort of alleviate some of those, or at least be able to still answer the question that you get asked, which is they post the schedule for the meetup, like at the beginning of the year. Right. Right. And they do, they do fish with a member. The only thing that I see often in the Northern Virginia to you is that it gets canceled a lot. And every month of the past. Like yeah, I think every month single least, month there's a fish with a member canceled, fish with a member canceled. So yeah, the Smallies Club has a, um, you know, they'll have trips, fish, you know, trips. So they actually, when people sign up, they'll just, you know, somebody will go from Brunswick to Lander and they'll say, let's take eight. So eight people sign up and go. But somebody here was, you know, uh, and posted about doing a float from, you know, DC float yes. down. Yep. You know, so that that's the kind of thing. I mean, I'm interested in doing that. Oh, me too. It all depends on when and all that good stuff. But uh, I think that you know that's a great idea, and that's already forming. I mean, I, frankly, I, don't, I haven't fished that much this year because of the weather. So I I would not post I'm going fishing. Right. Because I'm happy. Right. I'm not Sure. <laughs> Rob Snow White yeah. came up with the flotilla idea. You're right. And, and so I, you know, and we and we actually talked about it. I mean, it's a great thing. You know, I'm going to do I'm going to do a minor one tomorrow. At Beaver Dam Reservoir, anybody off tomorrow, go. You know, we're yeah. going to go tomorrow and, and try to catch a few bass just for just clean water. I think these are all great ideas, and I think the flotilla was that game. Three hundred fifty acres. Really? Yeah. So. I, I think the flotilla. I I have uh, visions in my head of when I was growing up around here, the 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 
old old WAVA radio station, which was a which was a top forty station at the time, and that's where your Don and Mike and everybody came from. But anyway, that station they used to do this WAVA Ramblin' Raft race on the Potomac. I remember it well because I remember being a kid, being like, I can't wait to do that, and then it got canceled, and who knows why. Uh, but this TPFR flotilla thing. I mean, you know, a ragtag bunch and who knows what kind of watercraft from pontoon boats to kayaks to, to homemade crafts and everything else sounds like a whole heck of a lot of fun to me. Yeah. And, and also is a, is a, is a way of, of generating a bit of publicity about it. I mean, we live, we're, we're, we're floating down the Potomac River by, by Washington, D.C. with a whole bunch of, you know, all we got to do is throw a TPFR banner up there and, and, and people are going to go, what's that? You know what I mean? So... Uh, of course, we all have to wade through the myriad of uh, uh, laws and rules and make sure everybody's legal and they've got their, they've taken their little boating class and everything else. But uh, right, and the logistics, right, you know, drop off and pick up and things like that. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was. There was who posted about that? It was uh, Jeff. It's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a law and it's been a law in D.C. that every boat. Waters has to uh, the the person in charge operating the boat has to have gone through a boating safety course. You can do it online. You can go down to uh, Main Avenue and do it at the uh, Harbor Patrol or whatever it is. There's um, there's a page restriction on that. I mean Maryland has one too. There are boat on grandfather. They said they said I asked him all that stuff and he said if it's a boat and you're operating it, that's exactly it. I couldn't get a lot of uh, explanation of it. Every time I call it. Yeah, like the most dangerous part of the river. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's not good. So we, we, we can work on verifying because yeah. I checked on that. I've got uh, a 10 foot pontoon boat. It's not powered unless I choose to put an electric motor on there, and I haven't done that yet. But I checked Maryland, Virginia, and DC. There's no regulation that I have to be certified for anything. Well, it's technically not being certified, and it's technically free if you do it there. They have Tuesday, Thursday nights for like eight weeks or something, or you can go on a Saturday or a Sunday. Or you can go to Coast Guard. I don't even text folks. What I'm doing is I'm going on a Sunday at 7 a.m. for eight hours, and then I'm done. Uh, and it doesn't cost anything. If you do it online, you got to pay the people who run it online. But, uh, yeah, it's a weird thing, but if, if there, I mean, I, I would think if there's. Yeah, um, you really want to get a good straight answer, call the Coast Guard Auxiliary and get the 
old retired field that you know, will take you out. They have courses that are free. Please come out and you have both. It's certified. Yeah. That way you put a big old sticker on yeah. the side so when you get pulled over, that's the first thing the, you know, the Coast Guard or the Water Patrol sees. Cool. But it demonstrates the, the uh, challenges and, and that I've definitely faced myself as people post questions about rules, regulations, licenses, things like that. And I got to tell you, a lot of the times when you contact the offices in charge, don't seem to know, depending on who you talk to. So, so this is. And I've talked to so many officers and uh, people on the phone, and aren't those the same people who go out in the boats and start pulling people over? And they don't know what's maybe they aren't. Yeah, it's so it's very. Really, you calling the Harbor Police? This is for DC. Yeah. Is that something we can make like a long-term goal of the club to sort of yes help them figure out how to be? I think so. I think so. And one of the one of the one of the ways, uh, and for this sort of speaks to the idea of maybe uh, maybe as we put a put a better web page together, maybe I can put something together in the meantime that works with our Google page. But a, a frequently asked question sort of a thing, I think, would be a would be a benefit in this in this sense. The only problem is there's m most frequently asked questions, things on a website are about 10 questions long. <laughs> this would probably be about 30 different frequently asked questions. And there are that many frequently asked questions in this group. So I think that, I think that that's a, a logistics thing, but it's something to look into about kind of maybe putting all boating information in one spot, uh, licensing information in one spot species and regulations in one spot. We are dealing with, you know, three major jurisdictions and then you throw in the Potomac River Fisheries Commission as well. And so it's just sort of like it causes some confusion even within those offices. So it's it's one of the things we need to we need to kind of encourage better understanding of, I think. And in the meantime, the best thing we can do and what I've always hoped for people to do is to we need to make sure that we're all as we go out and fish this river more and more and more are more visible. Uh, we need to make sure we're in compliance with these things. You know, I mean, it's it's not just to have the DC license, but it's supposed to be ex exposed. You know, I mean, it's, this is one of those places where the license is supposed to be visible. So make sure your license is is visible when you're out fishing. Because the funny thing is, is a few times as I get checked for a license, it's going to be that one time. They're not going to care who you are. I'm going to get a ticket. You know, and uh, I'd probably be happy somebody checked. But at the same time, um, at least everything that we do understand as far as the rules go, we need to make sure we follow them. So, uh, but I do think in the long run we can push for better, better enforcement of, of the rules as far as, because look, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but it does, it is disturbing to me with, the, with all the efforts made in the Shad Restoration Project and, and the fact that it's 100% illegal to throw, to, to throw cast nets, but every year you go out and you just see cast nets. I mean, right, literally, right there, right up by Fletcher's. It's like you see them all over the ground as well. And so it's kind of like I, I don't necessarily want to be running around policing people. I don't think that's a good idea anyway for us, but I do want to see I, I'd, I'd like to see the uh, uh, park police out and about again. Six years ago, it seemed like you couldn't go fishing without getting picked. You know, I, I got part of, or checked a lot out there uh, during the shad run. But then after that, Huh? Yeah, there was there was about it was five or six years ago, and it was like every time you went. Not by, but on, on, on the shore. On the shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at Chain Bridge. Oh out. my gosh! Yes. Right there. That is one of those things that you should start doing when you see a cop out there. I mean, again, like nobody wants to necessarily do a license check all the time, but it, you know, if 
homeless people living in, in, along the river. <laughs> and nobody's running up and down that river. It can get pretty dicey. I mean, I'm on that river almost yeah. three or four times a week. And, you know, if they're not driving up and down and doing a beach check on that river, it, it's not a friendly place for yeah. They, they've told me the park police I've talked to uh, in, in times that I've seen some down by the down by Fletcher's have told me that they go up you know they don't recommend anybody this is important that you don't go confronting people about if you see somebody dragging a striper up the shore and sticking it under a log and they're gonna come back and get it later it's not necessarily your place and you probably shouldn't go go confronting that person we the police have told have told me about uh, you know they find they find guns up there. People shoot deer up there. People, you know, I mean, if, if if that's one thing that game wardens face when they're when they're going out catching poachers is they get shot at. You know, it's not our place to do that, but it is our place uh, to to press the officials to make their rounds. They're the ones with the they've got bulletproof vests and guns. That's for them to go do, not not us. We want to fish. So. So temper your reactions when you do see something out there, even blatant. Uh, if, if, if it's a situation that seems very mildly approachable and it's just sort of like maybe the person needs to know that, uh, that, that maybe they're doing something dangerous. Maybe, maybe that's a place to step in and say, hey, listen, you need to be really careful. Somebody died here last year or something. That's maybe something different, but we should be very careful about thinking that we're going out enforcing anything at all. We want to try to get the people whose job it is to do that job. So, anyhow, um, anything else? Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd is working on our logo right now, guys. Good, uh, and I'm glad that, you know, we put, put it out there before for people, and, and a few people jumped on, and we're, we're going to work on a few designs, and it's, I mean, things get busy and sidetracked or whatever, but Todd, Todd came and asked to do it, so, so uh, we'll, we'll look it over when we see it, but, well, it is, and actually it is, and, and I've talked to Rob about this as well, because, because when we get this logo up and going, it's very simple, it's very easy to make, TPFR stuff, you know, and I don't mean, now this is where it's not necessarily hitting the membership up to everybody donate 10 bucks towards something, but it's like, personally, if there's a TPFR t-shirt, I want it, you know, and if, if we can make something like that for, for five or six bucks and, and sell them for 15 or whatever, I mean, that makes some money for the club and we all, we all run around wearing our jerseys, you know, I mean, uh, or patches or coffee mugs or stickers or whatever, I mean, I'm into all that stuff, so. So uh, uh, anyhow, that's something that, that we're excited to see when it, when it materializes. But thank you, Todd, for that. What else, what else, anything else? Okay, so Justin wants to talk about shad fishing, which is valid. Um, so I know a few guys have been out fishing already and are catching some fish. Um, as far as, as far as, Shad fishing, let's break this up into uh, a couple of, say, three different scenarios. Fishing from a boat. Are you out? Yeah, I'm heading out. Okay. Let me know how this turns out. Mm -hmm. When you want to sit down and work on a specific one, we can. Yep. I'll, if this works, I'll have uh, audio up, a podcast I'll post, and I'll 
take your email out of the audio so you don't get all sorts of crazy stuff. Yep. All right. Cheers. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.